This is the Shea Spark Show, where business and military leaders share what it means to invest in leadership, relationships, and self-love. And stay tuned for the end of the interview. There is a new coaching segment that you won't want to miss. How can you take a challenging moment and channel resilience and determination into recovery and build a successful business on top of it? Well, you're in a treat today. My guest is somebody that I've known for a while, and I am so excited to have him on the show. Welcome back to the Shea Spark Show, where we talk to business and military leaders about what it means to invest in leadership, relationships, self-love, and most importantly, what it means to invest in people. I am Shea Sparks, your host, Chief Excitement Officer of the Sparks of Fire International, where we spark leaders to find, use, and share their voice through podcasting, coaching, and publications so that they're fired up about their life and business. And today, our guest is the amazing Andy Clark. Welcome to the show, Andy. Thank you very much, Shay. I'm very excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you. And especially since I've gotten to know you over the last few months after meeting at One Million Cups in Daytona, you have such a a unique story and what you've gone through. So I can't wait to to really share this. So thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here today. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, I'm I'm happy to be here and this is my first podcast. So I'm I'm excited to share my my story too. All right. That's your first. Yay. Well, it'll be <laughs> it'll still be a piece of cake, a walk in the park. No big deal. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Well, for those of you who don't know, Andy Clark is the visionary CEO behind All Aboard Storage, a thriving multi-million dollar family business. And he has an amazing story that I can't wait to dive in to tell you more about. But at the helm of the All Aboard Storage, he is not just a business leader, but a community advocate. He is demonstrating his commitment to giving back and by pledging $3 million to local nonprofits, including the local hospital, arts and medicine, and a heartfelt gesture to the hospital that played a vital role in his recovery. And we'll share more about that. Beyond the boardroom, he is passionate about empowering his team and fostering a culture of growth and collaboration. As he continues expanding the business his father started, he envisions a thriving enterprise and lasting legacy for his family. He is also the author of the book Crash and Learn. And you can find out more about him at allaboardstorage.com. Well, Andy, I just am super excited to dive in. So I always like to start off with the first question of what does investing in people mean to you? Oh, gosh. I think that's the most important thing when you own a business is is people. I've often heard that in business, there's three things that are important and it's people, people, people. (laughs) Just like in real estate, which I'm I'm a real estate investor and... Mm -hmm. They say in real estate that it's location, location, location. Well, it's it's all about people when you start growing like All Aboard Storage has done, where we have 70 employees now. And we've been around in the uh, Daytona Beach area in, in the self-storage business since 1983. So we're celebrating our 40th year. And my daughter, Emma Clark is our COO in our company. I'm the I'm the chief executive officer, and she basically you know, runs the the company for for us. 
and that does a great job. And she'll, she'll be 30 years old this year and I'm turning 60. And so, so I'm just so, so pleased to, to have her, you know, running the, the show, my wife and I, Molly, that's our oldest daughter. And so anyway, she's a third generation, you know, entrepreneur. And so she's carrying on our culture, which is all about customer service. And, and she's probably even more in tune with all of our team members at all board storage. You know, she gets involved in all the human resources stuff that I wasn't really used to back when it was just my father and I, it was more of a construction company where my father and I are both building contractors. So we built a lot of the self-storage facilities that we own today. We built them ourselves. And so we were basically a small construction company, and but we've grown into a larger company now. We're the, we're the largest self-storage owner operator in East Central Florida. And we're about, we maintain about the 70th largest in the world. Wow. That's awesome. You know, I love that you mentioned people, you know, people is the most important thing because, and then you go into talking about your daughter. So I love that you've really created this like legacy for your family and as well as the community with all the things that you're doing in the, in the community. But I'm just curious so you really invested in your daughter and kind of like a mentored her up into the company. And yet your dad, it started with him. So how did your dad invest in you as you were coming along going, hey, son, why don't you come with me and really built you as a leader? Well, I think there's there's two things that uh, are necessary when you're dealing with a family business. And one is to have the first generation uh, give up or relinqu- relinquish some control to the next generation. That's number one. Mm-hmm. And number two is for that next generation to be capable of taking that responsibility. Yes. And and have the, of course, the drive to do it as well as the capability to do it. So if you de- if you don't have those two things, then it just, I think that's why so many, you know, family businesses fail is the parent isn't willing to give up control or, and the child isn't willing to, or able to take control. Mm-hmm. So, but in, in my father and I's case, we, we had it going on. We had a good, really good working relationship for, um, gosh, well, 20 years ever went out once I graduated college and, and came to work with him as his part owner in the company, we basically transferred ownership uh, majority ownership to me over over that time period. So yeah, so in 2009 we were we were hit with a really bad financial crisis. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, my father and I were doing what we love to do, which is aviation. We had a bunch of airplanes and we were flying, flying keep trying to keep them all flying at the same time with juggling the business. And we unfortunately were in a plane crash here in Daytona Beach International Airport. And I was seriously hurt, and my father uh, passed away in the crash. He was oh, no. he was eighty years old, two thousand nine, and he was real sick though. So it was it was a little bit of a you know a blessing in disguise because he you know it was ended his suffering. He was he had a chronic liver disease and was getting treatment every week, and it was really really mm-hmm. draining him. He maybe had three four months to live, and it was really stressing my mom out at the time because she wasn't sure what she was going to be able to do with him when he got to the point where he needed to go into, you know, 
assisted living or, or long-term term care or something. So anyway, so we had this, wow. this terrible plane crash in May of 2009. And it was right at the time where we had a lot of developmental real estate, uh, in other words, raw land mm-hmm. that wasn't income producing, but we planned on you know building more developments on that land. And we had a lot of debt at the time. That was our way that we, we, were, we were growing. And so anyway, miraculously, I survived the crash and then had to deal with the financial crisis right afterwards. And, and, and here we are uh, about 15, almost 15 years later, and it all worked out. But, but yeah, so I learned a lot during the, along the way. And, and now all aboard is really trying to, we've, we've grown by leaps and bounds and, and everything's great that way. So we're now we're trying to give back, we're not trying, but we are giving back to the community because we're real localized here Mm -hmm. in in the Daytona beach area, we were sort of a pioneer of self-storage in the Daytona beach area with, with, when we opened our first facility, we were probably the third, the third facility in the Daytona beach area, the storage facility. And now there's about 60 self-storage facilities in Daytona beach areas grown so much. And, but we've always owned about half of the market. In other words, we dominate this part, this market. So we're highly concentrated in the self-storage. And so that makes us very involved in the community, especially since I, I grew up here in Daytona and in Port Orange. And so our reputation is really important to me. And so we're very careful to serve our customers well, because they're, they're all our neighbors. So, so I, you know, uh, my family and I li- all live here and like I say, grew up here. So anyway, we're just blessed to to be able to give back to the community in that way. Wow. Well, that's an amazing story. And I, first of all, I just want to say I'm so sorry about your dad and how everything happened. And yet, like you said, it was a blessing in disguise. So take us back to that time of your life when you're when you're dealing with your own recovery process. I'm assuming you probably in a, in a hospital, you got hurt, right? Yes. At some point. And so tell us like what that was like being in the hospital, but also learning that your dad didn't make it. Were you piloting the plane at the time or was someone else? Y- yes, I was the the pilot of the plane. Uh-huh. Uh, it was Aero Commander, a twin engine propeller plane that holds seven people. So yeah, my father came out to the airport and I, you know, got him in the plane and he, you know, he, like I said, was real sick, but he could, he could, <laughs> it, with effort, he got into the airplane. And, and so we were just going to do a local flight around Daytona and, you know, did a full pre-flight in the plane. And we had an inoperative fuel gauge and we were actually trying to get the fuel down enough to uh, get the fuel gauge fixed. And this particular aircraft, you couldn't, you couldn't check the fuel visually, you know, Mm -hmm. you had to rely on the instruments and we had a backup instrument and it was evidently incorrect in the, in the reading. So I thought I had more fuel than we did. And so basically we took off and lost both engines and because it was, it was fuel starvation. Do you know, do you remember about how high you were when this happened? Yeah, we just took off. There's two parallel runways in Daytona, the Daytona Beach Airport. So we were on the shorter runway and we took off. And as soon as I, ha- I, you know, like started going up, mm-hmm. and the, it starved out the fuel 
from the engines and I had it full throttle. Wow. So what they, they didn't, the engines didn't just quit. They were surging from full throttle to idle. So it was, it was, you know, like oscillating, you know, as it, as it yeah. took off, but we had enough power to get on up to like 800 feet. And so I told the tower that I was going to come back and land on the parallel runway, you know, just turn around and come back and land. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was be with the wind because I took off into the wind. So the airport cleared us to land and I just turned around and everything looked good that, you know, I'd make the runway and everything. And I was going through the the checklist to land. And the last thing my father said was head to the numbers, meaning there's like numbers on the end of the air, on the end of the runway. So mm-hmm. just to head to those numbers and don't worry about anything else. And, but when I put the gear down, you know, it had, it, it, the, the engines had kind of stopped their surging. It would, it was pretty much an engine out situation. So Wow. Basically, we didn't make the the long runway. We just pancaked in on the grass before you get to the runway. And so, for those of you who don't know that about the planes, because my dad had a plane, so I kind of understand this a little bit. It pretty much kind of just the engines died. Sounds both, like yeah, it's two engines. Both engines yeah. died, and then it kind of just free for all dropped. Yeah, and I I don't really remember the the impact, but I remember. Um, thinking, okay, I'm not going to make the runway, but I think I can just land in the grass because I've done, I've landed in a grass strip before, but this wasn't really a grass strip. It was just the grass at the end of the runway. Mm -hmm. And anyway, that's the last thing I remember. But the next thing I remember was firefighters. Luckily there's a fire department right there at the airport. So they came and basically cut out the windshield and got me out of the airplane and so I remember being in there and I was, it, it felt real hot, you know, mm. and, and I, I wanted to get out. I, I was yelling at the firefighter, get me out, get me out. Cause it was, I just, it felt uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm not realizing that I, 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 I crushed two vertebrae. I had a, a punctured lung. I tore my aorta, which is, wow. that was real serious. That's what princess die died from the torn aorta in the heart. Wow. Uh, so blood was coming out there and I, I hit my head on the kind of on the dashboard of the airplane. Mm-hmm. And so I had, I was kind of like almost scalped basically. And my whole head was, I had a lot of head injuries. And wow. anyway, the, the firefighter said, you know, I was yelling at him to get me out of the airplane. And he says, he said, uh, sir, you got, you got a head in- injury. And I thought it was sweat dripping down, but it was blood yeah. <laughs> coming into my eyes and stuff. So, so anyway, I'd lost consciousness a few times and they basically put me on a backboard and like took me straight out of the front of the airplane. You know, my father was passed, what had passed away kind of next to me, but I didn't really. Did you know that at the time? No, no I didn't. I, I, I didn't. All I really cared about was like saving, getting myself out. Cause it was just, I felt so, like I say, uncomfortable, but really what it was, was my, I broke my back, you know, but yeah. I didn't really, I, I was, I kept thinking it was just the heat or something, but anyway, okay. and I remember getting in the, getting into the ambulance and it was air conditioned in there. I'm like, ah, okay. <laughs> so, so then luckily we were right close to Halifax hospital from, you know, the airport. So they mm-hmm. took us to the hospital and 
by then my my oh i also told the firefighters my wife's cell phone number and they called her and said that i had been in a small plane crash but she thought it she thought it was a small plane crash but what the firefighters meant what it was it was a you know a small plane that crashed right. she thought it's just like a fender bender you know a small yeah. Anyway, so she was at the hospital when I arrived and I was still conscious then. And I was complaining to her that my back hurt and I needed to get off. They had me on like one of those boards with a you know neck thing and everything. Anyway, that, that was the last thing I remember. Basically, then they put me in a induced coma for almost a week there at Halifax. Oh. And I went through about four or five surgeries. The first one was the aorta. That was, they, they didn't think I was going to survive that because of you know, that's very life-threatening. You know, you die yeah. quickly when they're, when your heart's not pumping there. So yeah, anyway, yeah, my poor wife, you know, she, Molly is my wife and she, we've been married for 31 years now and have three children. And so she was dealing with me, not, I'm not going to survive. And then, then after the first night is I wasn't going to walk again because I had these mm-hmm. two crushed vertebrae and they thought it was puncturing my spine. So, so then there, she's dealing with, okay, how, how am I going to deal with, you know, I'm going to get the house ready for Andy in the wheelchair and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one miraculous thing after another, and I got through the surgeries and, and yes. And then, so Molly told me about my father passing, passing away. I think it was the day of his funeral. She came mm-hmm. to see me and told me, but I was still on a vent, a ventilator. So I couldn't talk, but I was able to write. I was curious about the, you know, I mean, I, I, I guess I kind of, I was already ready for him to, you know, to be passing away because I knew he was going to, I, I was taking him to these, these abdominal surgery things that he was having to go through, you know, prior to the crash. So, so anyway, it, it was, it was definitely hard, but, sure. but I was so lucky, lucky to have Molly and, and, and my mom and my family, my brothers to, you know, to come visit me and everything. And, and, so yeah, anyway, that's long it's a long story, but the bottom line was my attitude, I was really pumped up to to get out of the hospital, get back to work. You know, I was worried about the the business and and taking care of my family. So all that was such top of mind that I really wanted to prove myself and get better and get out of the hospital. You know, I, I had this roommate when I was in rehab. See, after I was in intensive care, at Halifax, then they put me in a, a rehab hospital, and I had a, some roommates there. I had one roommate that was in a, pl- a motorcycle wreck, mm-hmm. and he'd been there in rehab for nine months. Wow! He didn't have anybody to go home to. Oh. Whereas I was so lucky. You see, if you if you don't if you live alone, yeah, and you've got to really be able to take care of yourself in order to go home. Right. Well, I was so lucky to have Molly and have you know, that, that, that helped as far as get, I was only in there like two weeks for wow. the, uh, the rehab part of it. And so anyway, and you were able to walk when you came out of rehab. Well, yeah, I was, I was using a walker for probably another month and then wow. I was able to not use a walker. And so some, a couple of tips for any, any, there's probably a lot of listeners that have, that have, you know, had, that have had accidents and stuff, but some things that really helped me is not to get hooked on painkillers because yeah. you know, the doctors will it'll just issue, you know, you take these as needed, you know, and my mom actually was really good at 
weaning me off the pain meds because mm. it was so easy to get hooked on the oxycontin and stuff. Mm. They were, and yeah, there was that, and just having the right attitude. And oh, I know. Also, due to the recession, we'd canceled our health insurance, so I was in this bad plane crash, and, and my my hospital bills were like five hundred thousand oh, dollars, basically. And Halifax worked with me because I only basically we were, we weren't we didn't have enough income to pay the principal on the loan payments. We could pay the interest payments, but not the principal. Mm-hmm. So anyway they cut a deal with me basically. And they let me, I had 120,000 cash. So I gave it all to them. And then I just recently gave them $400,000 to start a arts and medicine program at Halifax health, which is Halifax hospital, Mm -hmm. our local hospital. It had, they didn't, we didn't have any program like that of arts and medicine. It's like a music therapy and art therapy for cancer patients. And and so a lot of big hospitals have that. There's a big program like that at Shands Hospital in Gainesville, Florida. So we've started one now in, at the, in the, here in Daytona Beach. But as soon as we made enough money, I wanted to, you know, give back to Halifax because they, they helped me, you know, at that critical time, not just saving my life, but cutting me a deal on my, my hospital yeah. bills. So. Well, that that seems to be like the 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 revolving door, right? When you invest in people, it comes back to you, right? Absolutely. So you've been investing in people through your company, and then Halifax Hospital, thank thank God, was in, able to invest back in you, and then you, in return, invested back in them. So it's this beautiful cycle that is really just ever going, right? It's a it's just a constant expansion. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's absolutely, absolutely true. You know, it's so great now because I've reached a point in my life where I kind of have everything I, I need. So, but we're, we're still growing the company and, and, and doing it for our, our employees, but also to give back to the community and to take care of our customers. You know, our, our customers are wanting you know, more storage and more types of storage and different locations. So we're, so it's, it's all good. You know, it's, it's giving back, giving back our profit for the, uh, to serve a greater good. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's where we're at now. It's a, it's a great, it's a great place. It's a, yeah. But it's also good to keep that edge, you know, like I never want to retire. That was one thing. I I still think about my father every day and things he taught me. One of them, one of his, he had all these like pithy quotes. And one of them was, what's the best retirement plan? And that is to plan never to retire. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so he, he kept, you know, working and and is active and everything toward till the end of his life to, so yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I have, but Molly and I have two other children that might, you know, get involved in the business at some point. And at that time we, we want to, you know, make sure how, when you have siblings, how, how do you get them involved in the family business too, in, in the right way. So it takes a lot more, you know, communication to make sure everything is, everybody's got the right roles, you know, in, in a family business, you, you wear a lot of hats, you, you know, you're a sibling or you're a father or a wife or, and you're also, you know, the, 
CFO or the CEO or, 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 or whatever your role is in the company. So it's a, it's a complicated, you know, it just takes communication, I think, and an yes. old, good org chart to make sure yes. where everybody, everybody lies. And, and we, have a, we have strategic planning each year to, to talk about all that stuff, you know, owning shares of the company and, and how can we, how can Molly and I gift shares and what's the right way of doing it? You know, so it's, yeah. it's, as we've grown, it's, it's, it's like our company's become more complex, you know, that, which is, you know, that's kind of the way it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so it's all good, but well, the product of your, your own growth, right? So when you grow, yes. your company grows. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. I mean, if my father could could see us now, you mm-hmm. know, he'd be amazed at just how how far we've come. And I think that's something people take for granted mm-hmm. is people overestimate what they can accomplish in a year, but underestimate what they can accomplish in ten years. Yes, it is amazing when you look back over ten year period the the you know the changes that can occur, and so. So that's amazing. Yeah. You know, there's something to be said when your father is already an entrepreneur and they're already instilling leadership lessons to you, even growing up as a a young kid. And you don't even realize that that's what they're doing until like many, many, many years later. My dad was the same way. He was an entrepreneur. Um, I, I was just actually sharing the story some time ago on another podcast where we were at, he sold fertilizer and he was at a, a mall where they eat, everybody had a booth. And this is gosh, back in the eighties, I think maybe nineties, eighties. And everybody had a booth and he was, you know, manning his booth, selling his fertilizer. And someone showed up when the salesman showed up with a monkey puppet with a uniform on that matched everyone else's uniform in the booth. Oh. And so I'm a little kid. I'm probably between eight and 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm still playing at that time. And they're like, do you want this puppet? I'm like, yeah. And so, of course, I go around and I'm walking around. And, and what I didn't know is how I was creating the marketing, right? <laughs> the brand of, oh, come see us at our booth if you want to know more about this monkey. And it's just like those little things like that, like things that our parents instill in us that we don't even know. And my dad was still like your dad, he was still working at 79 when he passed away. And there's just something that that generation got and really understood about owning a business and leadership and entrepreneurship that I feel like we, the younger generation kind of is lacking. So I love that you're really being able to build that with your children and really instilling that in what your dad instilled in you. Yeah, I think we underestimate how much our our upbringing or our mm-hmm. parents or parent figures, you know, how, how much they influenced us is is incredible. Like when when Emma, who, who is thirty now and, and mm-hmm. running the company, she when she was a little baby or you know like a year old, two years old, we had our our second child, Camille, and so I would take Emma around to we had at the time six self-storage facilities. And I would go to every, every one of the six facilities every day and pick up the money, basically the deposits. And then yeah. I would take them to the bank, but I would take Emma with me as a little baby. So she, she went to every property every day and, and saw yeah. me how I would 
you know, get myself psyched up before I went into this, to the facility and, you know, yep. you know, and, and try to be a positive, you know, leader role model to the employees at the time. And also both of my sets of grandparents were entrepreneurs also. Mm. So nice. then, you know, my parents around the dinner table would hear all about their family business at the time. I, my grandfather and my father's side had bakeries up in El- Northern Illinois mm. that, that he owned and operate, operated. And my grandmother was the, ran the front counter and the, did the books and the accounting. Mm-hmm. And then, but yeah, then my father was a home builder originally right after, you know, when he was, when he moved down to Florida from Illinois, my mom was the, you know, bookkeeper helped him with the the books and stuff there too. So anyway, the, the conversations around the dinner table, you know, for example, if they're about business, then you think the kids are picking up on that. Yeah. Whereas if it's all about something negative about business, then, then yeah. the kids are going to pick up on that as well. Exactly. So, <laughs> it's exactly. What was it? The, what's the phrase that you said a little bit ago before we started recording something about the attitude? Oh, your, your, your attitude is your altitude. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and that's, that's why we started this or I started this arts and medicine program. Cause that that's, it's kind of the, the holistic healing mm-hmm. that I believe in with regard to, you know, getting better when you're, when you're injured in the hospital or going through trauma, it's so important to have the right mindset. And, and so that's, that goes along with attitude. Absolutely. Absolutely. So speaking of mindset, I'm just going to take a quick break here and do a shout out to our amazing sponsors, Heroes Media Group for the team who produces this show. So thank you for those folks over there. And I want to share this uh, wonderful energy supplement from Sisu Stamina. And it is a supplement that you just chew up kind of like a vitamin C bite, chew, whatever you want to call it. And in the afternoon, normally I would have a cup of coffee and I don't have to have that with that, the Sisu Stamina. And if you go over to their website at ulauniverse.com and use the promo code SPARKS10, you will save 10% on the checkout. And also I want to mention Firestarters Book Project, where we are connecting and collaborating with other creative thought leaders inside a book where everyone creates and writes their own chapter. And we are starting a movement. So if you want to know more about that, go over to firestartersbookproject.com. Well, Andy, I was thinking about when you said something about mindset, I was just thinking about like, what advice would you give someone that's not related to you who wanted to become an entrepreneur, maybe get into the storage business? Maybe it was something that your dad told you and now you've passing it along, or is there just a off the top of your head, like everything that you've overcome from the the airplane crash to the recession to where you are now on what it takes to be an entrepreneur? Well, I think number one, don't ever run out of cash. You know, cash, (laughs) cash ain't cash unless it's cash. (laughs) um, Cash is still king. (laughs) Yeah. Have, have a good accountant or bookkeeper or do it yourself. If you don't want to do it yourself, have somebody do it for you. 
and just pay attention to the income and the expenses. Real estate for me is is mostly about reoccurring income, you know, rent mm-hmm. and and rentals, rental properties and stuff, as well as buying and selling real estate, which is all about timing, you know, and and trying to pay attention to the the, the market and the local market, the market in which you're investing. And just paying attention to details, I think, is very important. You know, I I think some some people look at me as a risk taker that I'm buying and selling all these these multi million dollar properties, but I look at myself as a very careful, conservative investor because I'm you know looking at all the details. You know, the the devil is in the details with mm-hmm. regard to you know real estate closings and what your closing costs are and stuff. So. I think never stopping, you know, being a lifelong learner mm-hmm. is important too, you know, because technology keeps changing at this crazy rapid rate and and just staying on top of that and in the legal, ha- having a good lawyer, having a good accountant, a uh, good team, a good, you know, finding the right realtor to help you buy the right property and saving money. You know, I, as a kid, I always loved money. I was like a, you know, almost like a Warren Buffett type of kid, you know, where I'd save my, my money and get it and put it in the bank and everything. And, and so that, you know, delaying that gratification is important too. You know, it takes time to, to reach your goals, but if you set those 10 year goals, I, I, it's, it's amazing the things that we can all accomplish if we put our minds to it. And then taking care of yourself, I could, I could we could, I'll have to come on another yeah. Shows Shay to talk about ice plunging. <laughs> oh, yes. That's something I just got into where you you go in a I, I go in these this 47 degree water for seven <laughs> minutes every day. Seven minutes. Wow. Seven minutes. It's really shocking when you first yeah. go in there, but you breathe mm-hmm. through it. So it's it's really wild. It's just kind of this I'm getting into this more of a health tip, but mm-hmm. I, I love it. I'm like addicted to this ice plunging. <laughs> I have a, a a tub by my pool deck and it has like a pump and it, it, it it's a continuous pump that, that cools down the water. So you can set wow. the temperature and just go out there, take the cover off and get my bathing suit on and, and go in the water. And usually it's in the mornings. Anyway, it's, it's been amazing. So that's been my, my new thing this year. And well, in 2023, it's pretty crazy. It just, it's really good for your circulation mm-hmm. and your joints. Like I was having trouble with, you know, my leg, my knees or my hips or my, you know, cause I like to exercise too. So it's really good after, after walking or running or anything to get in that water. And so anyway, so I guess what I'm, tr- I'm trying to say is take care of yourself too. Yeah. You know, it's when you're, when you're in business for yourself, it's easy to get burned out or, you know, or, or you're, you're, you don't have a life balance. Mm-hmm. So it, it takes, it takes fortitude to, you know, ha- keep a, keep a schedule, keep your life in balance as you're, as you're growing, because right. you gotta have fun every day, you know, because <laughs> otherwise why, why are we doing this? <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. so. <laughs> well, and what a, an amazing story of your healing journey that you had been in this plane accident and broke your back and now you're deep plunging right? Because you're yep. exercising and working out and, and are you a runner? 
Yes, I, I'm I thought. again. Yeah. So I'm, how crazy at one point they didn't even think you're going to be able to walk and now you're running. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I credit some of that to my mom. My mom is 95 years old and she still runs 5Ks, which is wow. She can run a 5K in like 40 minutes or under, which is, nice. uh, you know, it's like a, she's probably a world record holder here in Florida for that. Nice. But anyway, she told me, you know, get, get back in the airplane or start flying again, you know, and, and like I say, get off the pain meds, yeah. <laughs> deal with it. And, and so that was, that was really good. And, and part of my physical therapy was basically yoga as well as aerobics and weight training. Mm-hmm. But so I got into yoga and Molly, my wife took me to renew yoga on beach street. And I, I've been going there for probably a year just less than a year after the accident. And so that, that's really cool. Cause it, it gets your mind right of living in the moment and the whole mental thing of holistic healing, but it's also great exercise, great for your flexibility and the, the great community of other people that are in, you know, doing the same thing there. So, so I do yoga at least three times a week. And, but then I also do it at home also, you know, I meditate every morning and have all these, this health ritual every morning and sleep. I don't forget sleep more than that as, as we get older too, and taking care of our bodies. I mean, this is our only body that we're going to have for our whole lives. So like, it's like a car, you know, you got to take care of it because it's all you're going to have. And, and so, so anyway, my whole, most of my days revolve around how can I have a good night's sleep tonight? <laughs> you know, all the, all the stuff I do, you know, Sure. Get my you know mind right for that. <laughs> well, I knew we were friends, but I didn't know how much we had why we were friends. So yeah, I'm a yoga yoga person and meditation as well. And I love that you know you said something about getting your mind right with the yoga. I think it's really about the presence that you have to be present with your body and how you're moving and you're getting out of your head of you know all the crap so to speak, that's going on that you could be blaming yourself about or shaming yourself or, you know, worried about. And instead you're able to just really focus on your breath and your movement and that's it. So yeah. I love that you mentioned that. Yeah. It's so like staying Andy, in the moment. Yeah. And what? Staying in the moment, you know, yeah, the definitely. present moment awareness is not worrying about what happened yesterday or yes. thinking about what's going to happen in the future, but just let those thoughts kind of come in and then go out <laughs> the yeah. back door through your head. <laughs> well, and I know that you've written a book. So, and if you want to hold your book up oh, yeah. for us, it's yeah, called a- a Crash and Learn, A True Story of Surviving a Plane Crash and the Financial Crisis. What, at what point did someone go, hey, you should really write this book? And you go, oh, okay, I think I will. What really inspired you to do so? Well, actually, I... I, it was from going to 1 million cups and I, we have a, a member there at 1 million cups that helps people write books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and so I thought that was so cool. Cause I wanted to have the cathartic release of, mm. of, of this event that happened in my life. I kept, it kept going over like a, like a video in my head of, you know, what happened and then talking right. about it. Cause, cause I, I mean, it's like, I didn't, not want to talk about it. I wanted to get it out there. And so, so yeah, it's, and it's, it's, it's a little bit of a company history of, of all aboard properties and in the Daytona beach area, you know, how we, how we grew. Cause as we, 
hire new team team members in our company, I you know they learn about our company history and our reputation in the community and stuff. So the book talks about that as well. Nice. Uh, and kind of a family history thing. And, and it talks about real estate investing. It talks about aviation. So if, if you're interested about any of that stuff, it's, it's in the book. It's, it's available on Amazon for, I just looked at $5 and 24 cents for a awesome. paper version of this book on Amazon, but it was, it was fun to write. I, I worked with a, a ghostwriter and basically I, he interviewed me and I, he, he transcribed what I said. And then I edited all the the words, but it has a lot of photos too, which I like. Oh, nice! <laughs> I typically listen to books, and basically, you can also get it on Audible for free on, nice. on Amazon. So yeah, I'm I'm hoping to write another book about growing up in Port Orange in the 1970s and how you know what the stuff we did as we were kids <laughs> before yeah. before cell phones and internet and all that stuff. So yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of work, you know, involved mm-hmm. with That's writing fun. a book, but it's it's rewarding for sure. Yeah. And it's so worth it. I mean, I've gotten several, so yeah, I get it. Yeah. Andy, you have such an amazing story and I really appreciate you sharing as much as you have. What do you want to be remembered for? What would be your legacy? Ooh, wow. I, I think for us, all of us, it's to be remembered mm-hmm. and not be just forgotten. I think just like I I think about my father every day because he we were we were business partners and saw each other every day, talked every day, mm-hmm. drove around to the different properties every day for 20 years. And and so I still feel like he's available for me mm-hmm. to talk to. <laughs> and I'm, I'm I'm so thankful. Yeah, I'm so thankful for 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 him and all my all of our thousands of ancestors. When you think about it, all the the yeah. stuff they went through to 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 get there. Their genetics to to us, so so I just want to make an impact. I think that's what we should all do as humans is 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 try to do good in the world, and that way we'll live on. Our legacy will live on by our deeds that we do, and you know how those deeds will be interpreted. We don't really have a control over, I don't think, but I just want to do my best to make a difference in the world. And, and we have an all aboard foundation and we were just working on our, our core values for that foundation. And it's people, planet and profit to serve the greater good. So Mm. there's like a three P's, you know, people, planet and profits to serve a greater good. And so besides our arts and medicine program at Halifax Hospital. We're involved in Habitat for Humanity, where we we our whole company gets out and we help build houses, which is a great great program for yeah. uh, homeowners and people probably don't realize, but you can apply to be a ha- Habitat for Humanity homeowner. And these are k- brand new, mm-hmm. you know, three bedroom, two bath houses. I mean, they're beautiful, and the they they there are mortgage payments, but they're they're super uh, affordable. You know, like nine hundred bucks mm-hmm. a month for everything, you know, principal interest, everything. But so, so anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I've always been into those goals and and write, write down your goals every year because I've always done that. And I, I still have a goal book from when I was like 18 years old. And I just wanted to be a, a good family man, a good businessman and a good part of the community. And that, that really is still the same now, you know, 40 years later or whatever, is I just just want to make a positive impact and 
And then I just kind of let my intuition go every day to make that happen. It's so it's kind of, it's a long-winded answer, but it's, it's, I don't really, I can't really put it into words, but it's just being, being aware, using your intuition because it's so powerful Mm -hmm. and and just letting, letting the good things flow. (laughs) Love it. Well, and honestly, you wanted to be a good family man, a good businessman, and a good member of the community. I mean, you're living that right now, Andy. So thank yes, you. Thank you, thank yeah, you for, for really thinking about that at 18. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I'll have to, awesome. I, I still have that book somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So where can people get connected with you if they want to follow you on social media, stay following along or and get your book, that type of thing? Well, yeah, allboardstorage.com is our is our website i I had another website andyclark.com but i i just looked it up and it it didn't pop up on google for some reason in preparation for the show but yeah just follow all aboard storage and 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 all aboard foundation it's we're 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 working on our our social media presence more in that regard but but it's all good you know and, and i hope to be involved with more podcasts in the future too and, and just as a way, I love it as a way to communicate with, with all you listeners out there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's great. Awesome. And thank you so much for being here today. But before you go, I always like to leave with this question of what phrase scripture or mantra are you living by right now? I'd say live in the moment. Mm. That's what I try to do. I mean, you know, just be aware of, of life in the moment. You know, it, it, it sounds simple or, or trivial or something, but it's really huge <laughs> to, yeah. it's, it's like, it's, it's forever. You know, the, the present moment is, is just a forever thing. So that's, you know, pick the Perfect. right wave and ride it. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Live in the moment. Well, Andy, thank you so much for, for spending your time with us today. Thank you, Shay. And stay tuned for the next segment. You won't want to miss it. This is the Don't Be a Dick segment. And as you know, dick stands for dishonorable, inconsiderate, conniving, and know-it-all. And in today's episode, Andy was talking about the mindset of having an attitude is your altitude. So think about that for a second. Like how often is your attitude actually taking you down rather than propelling you higher? So he had talked about being in the in the plane crash and and literally how he took off and instead of you know going up and, and continuing to rise, what happened? He ran out of fuel. Sometimes we run out of fuel. We run out of energy. We run out of good and attitude. And Instead of continuing to climb and go forward, he had to turn around. And unfortunately, he didn't make didn't even make the landing and it would turn into a crash. Sometimes that happens to us. Sometimes that happens to us when we are when we're being a dick to ourselves, when we're being dishonorable or inconsiderate, conniving, know-it-all to ourselves. We don't even realize it. But when we are those things, it naturally overflows onto other people. And so if you're getting a pushback or or maybe getting an attitude from someone that you know, that you're close to or that you work with, maybe it's in your family. And you're like, what? 
I wonder what's wrong with them. I wonder what's going on with them. You might want to ask yourself, wait, what am I doing? Where am I at the cause of this? How can I own my stuff? What am I going through? So when you're being a dick, the best way to not is instead be kind. So who is it that you need to be kind to? Maybe it's yourself. Maybe it's someone you know. And maybe it's you need to shift that mindset of your attitude around what's going on. And how can you look at the positive of it, the positive aspect of it, the good of what's happening for? Maybe it's happening for you instead of you're complaining of you're a victim mode of it's happening to you. And what can you learn from this? So I'd love to hear from you. So send me a message at theshaysparkshow.com. You can also leave me a voicemail and I'll play it on the show. And I would love to, to hear from you. How did this impact you today? What did you learn from Andy's story? The crash and learn of his story. What did you learn? So you can always send me a message on theshaysparks.com. They say shaysparkshow.com. Sorry. You can also follow me on social media, on Instagram at theshaysparks. You can go to Facebook, LinkedIn at shaysparks. And I would love to hear from you. Connect with me. And if you are wanting to know more of the coaching that I do, or maybe you want to get into podcasting, or maybe you want to get into a publication with the Firestarters Book Project, give me a shout. I would love to talk with you. And until next time, let's get fired up. <music>